And welcome to another episode of G220 Radio. This is Ricky Gantz. Uh, Mike Miller will not be with me tonight, so uh, I will be uh, hosting this one alone. Uh, but I won't be alone because we do have a guest. We're going to be reviewing the Jubilee Middle Ground. It was Christians versus ex-Christians and having a conversation, a dialogue. And while I was watching this video, there was one individual who stood out. And I'm, I kept saying to myself, like, I've seen this guy from somewhere. And it happened to be this individual that I subscribed to on his YouTube channel because I seen him doing Uber evangelism. And as someone who goes out and evangelizes on the streets, doing open air preaching and going to college campuses, I thought that's unique. It's cool. Let me let me subscribe and and uh, watch some of these encounters that this individual has while he's picking up uh, these passengers to take them from one destination to another. And so. I reached out to this uh, individual, his name is Pastor Jason Kim, and uh, he was willing to come on and be a part of this review of a show in which he was a part of. And so I want to go ahead and bring uh, Pastor Jason Kim onto the program. Jason, uh, welcome to G220 Radio. Hi, I'm happy to be here. Glad to have you on the show. As you may have heard there, I uh, I came across you on YouTube doing Uber evangelism. And so you looked familiar to me in that Jubilee video, and I was—I couldn't put it. I'm like, man, where have I seen this guy before? And uh, so, uh, I, I, like I said, I reached out. Now, I wanted to kind of give you an opportunity uh, as we get started for maybe those who don't uh, know you. I know you're you're the pastor of, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, La, La Habra Christian Church, Christian Church. in Southern California. In California. You also have a, a YouTube channel, Pastor Jason a uh, Answers. Um, but mm -hmm. other than that, maybe anything you would like to share with the listeners before we get started, they can get to know you in case they, they don't already follow you or know who you are. Well, you got the gist of who I am. I'm a senior pastor of La Habra Christian Church, and I do Uber evangelism. A lot of people have seen me through Jubilee, and it's unfortunate that they don't, they don't see my uh, pastor side or they don't see the evangelism side, which is what I'm really excited about. So uh, you covered that, and I started doing Uber evangelism just simply just to pass the time to to get to experience other people, other thoughts, other perspectives, other religions. And I didn't know it would become a vehicle for evangelism, but that's how God made it. Yeah. Well, praise the Lord. There's always opportunities for us to share the gospel. And if you're going to do this as a, as a way to make some extra money, why not share the gospel as well? <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And, um, so I, I don't know how that works with Uber. I know a, one of my coworkers was doing some of that. I don't know if maybe they give you reviews afterwards and like, man, this guy talked too much about Jesus or, you know, I don't, I don't know how that works. Maybe, maybe you could uh, inform us a little bit. Well, I tend to be respectful of other people's thoughts and um, what they feel. And so uh, I think I've only had one bad review just because that person didn't like my personality, but in terms of evangelism, um, nobody's, we're not really pushy about it when we evangelize. So uh, most people appreciate the, the talk, they find it very in interesting, stimulating. Even if they disagree, they find it's better than a boring Uber ride. And you could tell some people don't want to talk. And those people, you don't force them to talk about anything, even the weather. Other people, you could tell he wants to talk about certain things. And if at any point I feel like they don't want to talk about certain things, I could just shut up. And that's not a big deal. And so uh, right. most people actually appreciate the talks. And they actually, uh, <laughs> I could tell from the tips that they give. I mean, if they were really angry, they would not tip, right? <laughs> Right. Right. All right. So we're going to get into this uh, review of Middle Ground. And 
I've I've seen a few of these these episodes where they bring people on opposite sides of the spectrum and they sit down and talk. Recently, I've been watching one um, with uh, abortion. It was teens for abortion, pro and then pro or pro choice and and uh, anti-abortion. And and I find it interesting as someone who does evangelism quite a bit at college campuses or out on the streets, you run into a lot of different conversations that that come up with people. Mm -hmm. And so being able to watch some of these these Jubilee uh, middle grounds or some of these things where you have people on opposite side of the spectrums having these conversations a lot of what I hear sometimes is a lot of what I hear on the street, but sometimes there's things I don't know. And that's why I like to hear some of the arguments so that I can then try to prepare myself for if that is something that comes up now Ooh. in these middle grounds, kind of, maybe you can, you can set the stage for us because one of the things, even in this, I, I saw some things, some from some things from the Christians that I thought, Oh man, what are you saying? Right. And or how are you responding like that? And I know personally from interactions that I've had, there are many times where after I leave a conversation, I think, why did I say that? Or why didn't I say this? So when you're on the spot to be gracious, sometimes maybe you don't think as quickly as you would have hoped to. The other aspect of that, I think, is there's editing and we don't see the full conversation. We don't see where it all goes. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about that. Right, yeah. So this is not my first rodeo, and having been on certain interviews like this and shows like that, I know that you have to speak in sound bites, like one or two minute sound bites. If you go too long, half of your point will be cut off, and that's happened to me before. So I realized before I go in, I have to make sure my points are concise, that I have to be to the point. Basically, sound, speaking in sound bites. And in terms of the people that they get, um, most people should know that. It's a pool from Los Angeles, pretty much. The greater Los Angeles area, California happens to be a blue state. And so mm -hmm. most people around here tend to be liberals. Even those who call themselves conservatives are not really conservatives. And those who call themselves Christians actually question their faith because uh, it's not like they got the, the, how do you measure someone's faith? How do you measure someone's Christianity? And so the pool that they get from is Los Angeles, mostly liberal. And so it's very difficult to find conservatives, conservatives in general. And so mm -hmm. from that point, they find these people. And from those people, they try to narrow it down to the people who's not going to take up a whole lot of screen time. They're not going to have their own podium of 10-minute things to say, but they want to be able to find people who are open to other people's ideas. Mm -hmm. And although I don't compromise on what I believe, I come off as someone who is very personable, someone who's willing to listen. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that that's something that I wanted to to bring out in the beginning, because I, I want to know, I want the audience to know that in those situations, sometimes there is editing that happens. There's also being on the spot. Sometimes, like I said, we, we say things that we wish we could have said differently, or we um, don't say something that we say, man, I wish I would have said that. Right. I know this from an example. I, I, I deal with uh, the Hebrew Israelites quite a bit, uh, black Hebrew Israelite groups in oh. Cleveland area. And in my conversations with them, it, it's brought about debates. And I was doing a debate with a one of the groups of the Hebrew Israelites and everything was going well until the cross examination. <laughs> and then you're on the spot and you have to give an answer right away. And it was like, uh, 
what do I say here? I can't think on, on the fly sometimes. And so those things can happen. And I think we need to be mindful of it uh, as, as we look at some of these videos where we see Christians. Because again, as you said, Christians can be, um, especially if they're pulling from a pool of Christians that are very liberal or not maybe as sound in their faith as others, um, you're going to get that. But then you're also going to have Christians on different levels of their understanding of the Christian faith. So a newer believer is not going to know also, something. Another thing is, uh, yeah, go ahead. I think I can tell you and your audience that uh, I'm actually a Reformed five-point Calvinist. And I didn't want to uh, fall into the trap or the, the stereotype that other people have that, oh, you're a fundamentalist. Oh, you you don't listen to other people. You're So I didn't want to fall into that. So I wanted to come off from the very beginning, from the get-go, that I'm someone who's willing to listen. I'm not the typical stereotypical fundamentalist who doesn't care about science. You know, so I want you and other people to know that too. Yeah. All right. So, um, yeah, that is one of the things you did ask. You, you told me that you had to check out what G220 radio was before you, uh, uh, accepted. All right. So we're going to go ahead and get into this here. Um, I've got some clips set up and, uh, we're just kind of, kind of go through them. Most of them I'll, I'll let you know, um, pastor Jason is I kind of pulled from the non-Christians answers, uh, for the ma majority of this. Cause I figured this would be best for us here on our platform to address some of these. And obviously we're not going to get through everything, uh, here tonight in, in an hour's time. Um, but, uh, Anyone can go and watch this in its in its uh, totality over there at Jubilee, as well as you've done a few um, shorts on some of the, the things that came out of this as well. You have a couple of those over on your YouTube channel as well to address some of those things that uh, did come up. So, all right. So this first one here, um, this is Christianity is the only true religion is the question that's asked. They ask the question. People come forward that agree with it. Um, and so let's go ahead and uh, get started here. Christianity is the only true religion. If we like reflect on the aspect of the only true religion or the only true religion for me, it, it, it's, it's a slippery slope because if you substitute religion with nationalism, mm. we can all of a sudden see the problems with yeah. it, <laughs> you know? I get it. So, I think that religion Organized religion can cause a lot of issues. The message of Jesus Christ, he's the embodiment of love, right? But yeah, I truly believe in my heart. I do not think people that do not know him are just gonna burn in the fiery pits. I don't think it's that black and white, but yes, I truly do believe it's he, Jesus Christ is, Christianity is the only way. All right, so um, this first one here, what comes out, Ivan mentions this slippery slope and I, and I don't, Obviously, don't agree with him that there is this slippery slope that you you find with Christianity. I, I I think you find that when you don't hold to biblical truth. That's when you then get on a slippery slope. And then he he says about inserting nationalism in the place of Christianity, but nationalism is men trying to create rules and laws to govern a people, whereas Christianity is coming from the absolute lawgiver. So that standard is not changing. That's not a slippery slope. You tend to find yourself when you reject God, you being the one that then is on a slippery slope. So he tries to appeal to the subjectivity versus objectivity. And, and I think that can be um, 
uh, dangerous for the for the unbeliever because they'll find themselves very inconsistent in their arguments. That Go becomes ahead. the main issue. Actually, when I talk to people on college campuses, I've noticed that millennials and Gen Z, especially, truth is very relative. And you mentioned biblical truth, not even biblical truth, just the fact of truth. He, in the beginning of that clip, he says, is what is true for me? There is no truth mm -hmm. for me or you. There is just one right. truth. But, but people today find that not just hard to accept, but even offensive to accept that. Mm -hmm. Yet, even if I were to say, actually, they edited this out, but I said, I believe in calculus. Calculus is not just true for me. It's just, is it true or not true? It's just fact or not fact. Same thing with Christianity. That's why when Jesus claims, it's not just the, his own claim, whether he believes that he, he is the true way, the true religion. Yet, just accepting what is true is difficult for this generation to accept. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely this moral relativism, relativism there. Um, I was on a college campus myself, and I engaged with a professor. And I asked him, I said, do you believe in absolute truth? He said, there's no such thing as absolute truth. I said, is that absolutely true? <laughs> you know, because you're making a, a truth claim, right? But um, it is this majority view out there. But it, it, it goes against ultimately what the scriptures say, that Christ says he's the only way. And it goes against the laws of logic, the law of non-contradictions, which say there can't be two things opposite yet be the same. So you can't have your truth that's in contradiction with my truth. Both of our truths could be wrong, depending on what mm -hmm. our, our standard of that truth is, but they can't both be right. It's just, it's illogical, you know? Um, right. The other thing that was st stated there by Jake, and Jake is on the side of Christians, and right up from from right up front here for me watching this video. Uh, I don't believe that this is a brother in Christ. I do believe that he is someone who is living in a practiced in lifestyle of sin. Whereas in the book of John, it tells us you can't live in this practicing life of sin and yet be a Christian. But he was on the Christian side for those maybe tuning right. in and, and watching this. Um, and I think everybody that was on the Christian side was trying to be compassionate with him. He seemed also in this to seem to try to find validation from the other Christians about whether or not he was going to go to hell for his lifestyle. And I thought that was interesting. Because all too. of his arguments in the clip was really about his feelings, how he felt about mm -hmm. he never made any argument from the standard of truth or what the Bible says. It was more in terms of my feeling, my experience, and what I've come to understand. That was his line of argument all throughout the whole video. And that just shows me that where is his basis of truth? Does he love Jesus because of his feelings or because he is the real savior? Right. All right. So this next one here, again, we're still in, uh, is Christianity the true religion? Uh, we'll just look at these clips and then we'll get uh, a little reviews on them. My epiphany was like walking down Route 101 in, in Pennsylvania and thinking, oh my God, this idea behind Christianity is that everyone that doesn't just assent, believe in this one thing, mm -hmm. they're gonna burn forever. Mm -hmm. And that was like my epiphany, like, oh man, I, I, you know, it is fun, not fun, it is fulfilling <laughs> <laughs> to have a very black and white way of looking at the world, right? Mm -hmm. That, I remember how great that felt, but also like, my epiphany is, oh, there has to be more in the world and the universe than that. That can't be the end of it. Like that, I mean, that might be like an all-knowing God, but that's not an all-loving God. You know, it can't be all, you know. 
All right. So when we when we consider that that clip there, I think we tend to find often one of the reasons that people will reject the truth from God's word, it comes down to hell. And that those who don't accept him will burn for all of eternity. And but yet that's what the Bible says. What what about you, uh, Pastor, in your interactions with people and even in this um, um, clip here uh, of this argument that's used. Her line of argument is very common, actually, because uh, what, how they see it, their perspective is, if I don't believe in your religion, I'm going to hell. But I wish I had pushed this point more. You're not going to hell because you don't believe in Jesus. You're going to hell because you're being judged for your sins. Because right. God has a standard of holiness and truth. And, and people don't see it in those terms. People see it as, if I don't join your religion, I'm going to hell. And that mm. seems unfair, of course. Just because I'm not on your team, I'm going to hell. I'm, going, I'm getting punished. I'm getting kicked out of the school. No, the standard is, whether or not you believe in Jesus, you're being judged for your sins. And only Jesus mm. can forgive you. But that first part is very important. The part of sin, that they're not yeah. accepting. There's another clip. I don't know if you're going to show that. But there's a girl who says... Uh, I think I'm a good person. Her standard of good and right and wrong is so skewed that she thinks she's good enough for heaven. She actually says that. And But that's the majority view of people in this world. Those who haven't committed murder, those who haven't ended up in jail, they think I'm better than most people. I think God should accept me. There's something wrong with God if he doesn't accept me. That's mm. their life. They, they are their own um, standard of morality. Right. Yeah, and and that's it's it's so key. What she says there, even at the end, is that God, by this view, might be an all-knowing God, but not an all-loving God, because mm. ultimately He's going to judge. And and I want to ask again. I'm I'm somebody that's watching, and then I'm I'm looking, and so things are going through my head. And and what pops up is I want to ask her, Do you believe in justice? Do you believe that if somebody came into your house and murdered a family member? that the judge who was presiding over that would say, well, I'm a loving judge. I know you did it 100%. I'm going to let you go. I'm going to let this slide. I guarantee that her, as well as many other people who would argue this point, that that's not a loving God, would say, no, that's not a loving judge. How could you let them pe those people go because of what they did? And like you said, it's because they make themselves the standard where they say, well, I'm not a murderer. So I'm better than this person. I'm not like this. So I'm better than that. And they start judging themselves against other people that are judging themselves against other people rather than judging themselves based upon the standard, which is God's, right. God's word. And if, and if you are, if you know, presuppositional apologetics, she's actually using the standard of God to judge God. She's saying mm -hmm. God is not loving enough, but how do you know the standard of love to judge God against the standard? And so she's actually using God's standard to judge that God is not loving enough. God should love this way. Well, well so you believe in a standard set of morality and justice and love? Yeah. All right, so this next clip here, uh, try to move through some of these. Uh, there's so much that was in that hour, and it was clipped down. I'm sure you guys were there longer than an hour, but... Uh, <laughs> I couldn't believe it was 50 minutes of the video. I expected a 20-minute clip. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was going to say I'm so jealous that you guys feel like it's the only religion. Like, mm. I felt, I wish I felt that way still, but um, I just don't know anything. And there's millions of religions. 
how can you say 100% that it's the only true one? You can't, but I know in your hearts you can, and I wish I had that so bad, but I, I just don't. I wish she had it too, um, and she can if Christ would open up her eyes and her hearts to the truth. Um, but this idea that it also comes up, I hear this on college campuses, I'm sure you've heard this, She's saying that there's millions of religions. How do we, how do we um, defin- uh, or what's the word? Uh, differentiate between uh, this religion of Christianity and all these other religions? What I normally say is, if you think about every single religion in the world, there's, there's lots of them by name, but there's really only two in practice. There's man-made religion and God-ordained religion which God ordained says there's nothing you can do to be right with God. God does this. God provided the way. He died on the cross, sending his son, dying on a cross, was buried, rose again on the third day. He provided a way to redeem a people back to himself. Every other religion in the world, every single one, no matter which one is named, it's all about man trying to earn their way, their righteousness before God. And that's that should be key for for many of these individuals obviously god still has to open their eyes and their hearts to the truth but key in the fact that every religion is man working except biblical christianity it's not man working and if god did not make the first move to tell us who he is we would all be guessing we would all be arguing and debating we could probably still guess that god exists but we would still know nothing about it when i when i hear that argument about there's millions of religions out there or thousands I'll say, you know, there's thousands of phone numbers out there. How do you know this phone number is my phone number? I mean, there's so many numbers out there, a billion combinations of numbers and phone numbers. And yet, you know, this is my number because I told you my number. I told you this is how you call me. And so God himself, in the midst of these hundreds and thousands of religions, God himself told us, this is my number. This is how you reach me. This is who I am. And if God did not do that, we would be lost. Yeah. All right, so now we're going to move into this next section here was uh, opening or or interpreting the Bible, being open to interpretation. Uh, That's how I have it written down on my little clips. I don't remember exactly the words for it here. We'll see it when it comes up. Yeah, the Bible is always open to interpretation is what this uh, section was. The Bible is always open to interpretation. The Bible is so confusing. (laughs) Every Christian cherry picks. Everybody does. You're not supposed to lie, you lie. Yeah. 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 So how can you not interpret it in so many ways? And it's been obviously transcribed so many times, you know, adding the word homosexual and all this, and it's just... The doctrine of hell. Yeah. Yeah. Not very clear. Yeah. All right. So this idea of this interpretation, the first thing that comes to my mind with that question is what do they mean by interpretation? Because there are... Uh, there are probably passages, you're Reformed, I'm Reformed, uh, I think you're, you're Presbyterian, I'm mm-hmm. Baptist. So there are going to be areas where we, because of our hermeneutics, see things a little differently. But that's different, I think, than what they're asking. But I'm not, I'm not sure. that that's, that's what I would ask, is like, what is meant by open to interpretation? Because there are, we are going to interpret things sometimes differently but if we're if we're asking, is God's word open? God's word's not open to interpretation in that sense. That's that's kind of how I was taking. I that think the motive know. behind what they're saying is a lot different from what you're saying. I think what they're saying is open to interpretation means it could mean anything 
Therefore, it means nothing. So they're actually finding an excuse to not listen to the Bible. They're not really searching for the truth. What is this saying? They're not looking for that. They're saying, like any public book, it could be interpreted in any way. It could be anything. So therefore, it means nothing. So that's their point. They're saying, the Bible says nothing to me. And Daryl King, uh, King asked, uh, you're Presbyterian? Question <laughs> mark. Yes, I'm Reformed. I'm, I'm, I'm Calvinist. I'm a Presbyterian, ordained Presbyterian. I went to Westminster Seminary. He said he definitely. He said he said, "Bro, I definitely got to speak to him." So <laughs> maybe reaching out to you. Um, sure, reach out. So yeah, there's things there that are, are stated, and and that's kind of like that's why for me I was kind of how are they asking this question? But it makes sense that that's probably the way that they're bringing it to you. Yeah, because um, if they really wanted the truth, they would. Just, it would only take simple logic. If Elton John wrote a confusing song, if it's anybody's song, you could interpret it in any way. But right. you have to ask Elton John, what did he mean? There's only mm -hmm. he could answer that question. But if, if the Bible is a public book with no real author, yes, you could interpret it any way to make you feel better. But the real case, is it's, it's a divine book written by God. So God is the author. He has a certain message. Like when I send a text to a friend of mine, I have a certain intention. And he catches it, interpret it however he wants. Now he has right. to find my meaning. But he, it's a simple logic that they would all get if they had the intention of searching for the truth. Yeah. Some things in there that I, I thought was interesting, um, being that this Bible is the Bible is is open to interpretation. They mentioned cherry picking, and I, I don't remember the girl's name, but she said, you know, they're, they're, you're not supposed to lie, but people lie. I don't see that as something as being a cherry picking. That's the fact that we are sinners by our very nature. So we sin. And then when we are redeemed by Christ, we still have the flesh that remains that we wage war with. The spirit wages war against that flesh. And so there are times where Christians, because I don't believe in sinless perfectionism, that Christians sin. That's why we have an advocate with the Father to, to forgive us of our sins. We can go and confess them. Uh, the Christian life is one of continual repentance and confession and growth. Um, that is the Christian life. We recognize that we can't do it on our own. We need Jesus. But mm -hmm. there's nowhere in the Scripture that they're justifying and saying, you are not supposed to lie, but you are allowed to lie. And I think they take descriptive passages and they're they're trying to, I think, because I, I see that kind of come out a little bit later. They take descriptive passages and try to make those as if those are the prescriptions given in Scripture when there's they're totally different. It's describing events that happened. Abraham did lie and said Sarah was his sister, you know, to protect I, his life. I was sadly disappointed by the fact that there was no search for truth. I was hoping that the ex-Christians had some desire to maybe find a reason to come back to Christianity, but that was not the case. They were very defensive. So when she says people cherry pick, uh, it's she's right. Christians and non-Christians, we all cherry pick things that we like and we and we ignore the things that we don't want to, to hear, right? That's just human nature. Everybody does that. But she's using that as an excuse to not hear, hear what the Bible says. Yeah. All right, and some other things that came out of that, he, the one guy says the doctrine of hell. I think that's pretty clear in scriptures. Um, and then they also mentioned the adding in the the word homosexual, uh, which you do address later on. You say, you know, you you study Greek and write Greek. And so therefore, you know, this word, God, or Paul is putting, he is combining a word. 
It's a word that wasn't used, but he's combining it. But right. we also have to understand, and, and I do this when I talk to um, evolutionists, and they'll say, well, you know, the Bible never says anything about dinosaurs. Well, the word wasn't invented until the, the, the 1900s. So the Bible was written in English. We can go back a little ways with Tyndale, but 1611 King James, they wouldn't have had those words. Those words weren't right. there, and, and none of the scripture was written word, in English. It was not a weird word. I mean, when, right. we, when, I, when they invented the word waterbed, it was not hard to understand what that meant. So when Paul invented it, it was not a brand new word. Like, whoa, what does that mean? He used common words, put them together, and everybody mm -hmm. knew what Paul was talking about. Right, right. And as you said it, even in that, uh, in this video, in this uh, uh, Jubilee Middle Ground, you brought up Romans 1. This is where I usually go with people, so I, I avoid those. They'll say those right. texts in the Old Testament. But then this is plain. It says that God will turn them over and they will do shameful acts or unnatural acts, that which is not according to nature, men with men, right? right. And it, it, it's telling you that plainly and clearly, um, right. regardless of the word. Regardless of any language. Yep. All right, here, uh, another clip here for us. <laughs> it's all just, uh, if you look at the God that's portrayed in the Old Testament and the New Testament both, it looks a lot more like us than it looks like an all-knowing, all-good kind of situation. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh yeah, this totally came to uh, get people to cooperate with the power, you know, Jealousy, folks in power. vengeance, these are yeah. human qualities. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, I always find this interesting when, when people use the Bible and say, well, the Bible was used to control people. I always find that interesting because... The Word of God says we can't do God's law of our own strength, like of our own power. No one could keep the law. It's a work of God that He does in us. It is God working in us and through us. And so that's another thing that, that makes Christianity set apart, biblical Christianity, um, because Christ is the, the, the head of the body of Christ. He's the head of the church. And so... What we do while we have responsibilities, it is because Christ is working in us and through us, enabling us to do those things. Apart from him, we would do nothing. That's why we abide in Christ. And it, it can't be used to control. If you think about the first century, Romans wanted the, the Christians to compromise by saying that Caesar is Lord. And they said, we can't. It wasn't to control them. They said, Jesus is Lord. Is there anything you'd you'd want to say on that clip there, or? No, it's just that uh, it's just interesting how people, yeah, nobody picks up the Bible to feel better about themselves. The Bible is horrible for your self-esteem. Or the Bible tells you that you're worthless, you're a sinner, you you have rejected God, and that you only God can save you. So that's different from other religions. Like you pick up a Buddhist book, you feel better about yourself, you feel good about your good works, but. They're trying to judge God by their own terms, and it doesn't work as an argument. Yeah. All right, let me go to this one here. One of the biggest reasons why I stepped forward is, again, because I think it's a guideline, not an absolute. It was tough for me because I'm very much like, <laughs> you know, I believe in Jesus Christ and whatever. God says he wants, and it's tough to even realistically do that every day. Like every day I sin because I kiss this man that I love, and like then I jump on a box and go to OnlyFans. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's tough feeling like everything that you do, that's just an everyday thing. And it has zero to do with how you treat people. 
at the end of the day, the rainbow that it gets to and stuff and pot of gold is that Jesus Christ is all loving. He loves everybody. He hung out with someone who was like, I mean, like a whore. Hey, don't slut found, and, <laughs> and was still was like, hey, you you're still can be this good person. Don't let the world tell you this. And But I believe that in some way, the Bible is telling you that, is telling you like, this is, hey, it's okay to not be this. I think it's maybe organized religion that gets it muffled and then there's all this hate towards everyone. Cause I'm sure. like, I'm sorry. I don't think that Jesus Christ hated trying to organize. All right. There was a lot in that clip. And, and I, I did feel like now this, this man speaking, Jake, as I mentioned earlier, was on the professing Christian side, right? But he clearly is living a, a homosexual lifestyle. He mentioned that he, he does only fans, which I, I believe is, is, promoting some type of um I, I don't know it's it's not a it's not a good site to for people to go to I, I would say um and he just seems to be trying to justify his lifestyle so so what do you say to that I know again you guys spoke to some of this but being there and having only so much time to speak or things being edited you know obviously you don't get the full time to maybe speak to this individual who I felt watching this, kept trying to get justification from the Christians. Now, there was no other Christians up there, but trying to get justification from the Christians that he was going to be okay with living that yeah, That's exactly what he was trying to do. He was trying to be get justification as that he was doing okay. But um, simply put, Jesus is not his Lord. He's not struggling with some sin, asking, God, please help me come out of this addiction or the state of sin that I'm in. That's not him. He is living a quote-unquote proud homosexual life and he wants justification from other christians saying hey what you're doing is okay you're fine but he didn't get that but basically mm -hmm. simply put jesus is not his lord and i believe if, if jesus is not your lord he cannot be your savior yeah yeah it was it was really sad um when i would listen to him because again he's on the side of christians he did say he was roman catholic um, which that will have its problems as well. I do believe there are Catholics that are Christians oh, yeah. um, in spite of the Roman Catholic teachings, not because of, <laughs> but right. I, I do believe there are, but he, he clearly was seeking to, to justify his lifestyle. And, and it, it seems like there's this part of me that wants to assume uh, that he, he knows. Well, I think we can assume that is, this is biblical. The Bible says we know right from wrong because God writes it on our hearts. We have that moral law written there. Um, right. Now, we can't we can't do it uh, because God has to enable us and, and give us, you know, a changed heart um, to, right. to desire to do those things. But it did. It just seemed often to me that when he was reaching out to the to the other Christian girl that was in the yellow and he would ask her like twice, I think, in that, do you think I'm going to hell for this? It was really that validation that I think he was looking for. And it was heartbreaking to see this, that there were no other Christians in his life, you know, speaking the truth to him and saying, look, man, you can't live like that and still be a Christian. Like if, if you, as you said, if, if you're genuinely in Christ, he's your Lord. You don't, you don't make excuses for the way you're living your lifestyle. You have conviction over those things that you're doing that is contrary to the word. Yeah, good insight. I didn't I didn't catch that desperation for validation, but yeah, I, I see it now. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So here's another one. I think uh, that was four. All right here. 
trying to any organize of us. all of the Bible and make it make sense, that's going to fail. Not oh. very clear whether it's telling us to do good things or do bad things. It yeah. has kind of a combination of both in there. Trying to. Oops. And that's where I, I, I think that, because this man brings up some other things about things in the Bible not, you know, fitting, meaning he brought up the Exodus with the. Um, uh, Ten Commandments, and then he brought up another passage and said, "It says, don't boil your, your, your uh, the goat in its mother's milk," which had nothing to do with the Ten Commandments. It was just he was trying to to conflate things and saying, "Well, the Bible says this, but then it says this," and trying to find contradictions in the Bible. But there's no contradictions in the Bible. It's All our right. error. We don't read it properly, or we don't seek to get a better understanding. But there's no contradiction. I have to confess. I have to confess a prejudice. Uh, he was trying to have an intellectual talk about these contradictions in the Bible with the way that he was dressed. And it was hard for me to take him seriously because of that. So that was a slight prejudice on my part. But yeah, his arguments were not intriguing at all. I mean, they were very common. Nothing really. Wow, that's crazy. You know? Yeah. Well, that's that is one thing. Um, I think that. I don't know if, if this individual dresses like that on a normal basis, but from this takeaway, other than maybe the one, one, one of the girls, um, she may not have been in the LGBTQ community, but it seemed like the other three definitely were. And that Jake guy yeah. who was a Christian were, or professing yeah. to be Christian. And so it's, it's interesting, as you said, they're pulling from this LA area of the people that are coming to speak. And I think that is also a very key and telling thing is because of their sin. It's exactly what Romans 1 says, because they suppress the truth in their unrighteousness and mm -hmm. they worship the cre creation over the creator because they love their sin. They don't want to give it up. Even that Jake guy says it in, in maybe one of the clips I have or something later. He's like, I don't, I don't want to stop this, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's the reality is they don't want to give up their sin. All right, here we go. Number six. Up, it was like I would ask my parents because my parents are super religious Trumpers, borderline QAnon. Scary. And I was terrified of the rapture. Mm -hmm. Anytime I said anything about the rapture, it's always just like, well, you're thinking with your human brain. You're not thinking with your heavenly brain. I'm like, but I only have a human <laughs> brain. Like I can only understand what I can understand here. All right. What would you uh, say to that? I'll, I'll just throw it to you first here. <laughs> well, I'm not going to judge her parents for saying something like that. Not the best logical response, but I could tell what they were trying to tell her. But in any case, um, she's thinking in a very sinful way, in, in a way in which what do I get out of it? She's not thinking in terms of the big picture of what, what would God do? And she's, she says she's scared of the rapture. That's more of an excuse of not loving Jesus. But, you know, I don't see that as a very common response from people. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things I think, I think the reason why I was pulling this clip is also this idea of she throws in there the, the QAnon and, and the, the Trump thing. And often what is, expressed by by individuals when I'm on a college campus or in, engaging with liberals and I'm trying to share them the gospel is they make it political in the sense that they say well you Christians you all vote for for the right side you're, this is where you are 
And I do believe as a Christian that I would have a hard time justifying voting for a party that is for the slaughtering of children, is for the uh, endorsing and, and um, promote promotion of uh, what is considered gay marriage and whatnot. Of course, I would be as a Christian that would go against my my biblical convictions. However, but, but that is why in my evangelism, I purposely I, I do support Trump. But I purposely try not to mention Trump because I'll automatically be labeled as a fundamental Bible thumper who doesn't care about science, who doesn't care about freedom, who doesn't care about this and that. And there's a caricature already presented in the media. And that's what I don't want to be labeled as before they could hear me out. So I yeah. avoid politics. I avoid looking like some guy. I avoid saying that I'm a pastor in the beginning. If, if they find out, that's great. But but I want to make sure that they have a clean slate and not prejudge me based on who I vote for or, or what church I go to. Yeah. Well, one of the things I was going to say, too, is, though, that even with the conservative, not all conservatives are Christians. I think we've seen that over the last couple of years. There's conservatives in right. office who say one thing and then they get into the office and they get elected and they don't follow through with the things that they say. You know, I'm thinking of, of senators or governors or local, more local areas where they'll say they're for these things. We're seeing it with abortion. There are many pro-life uh, individuals that get into office that say they're pro-life, say they're against abortion. And then when these bills come before them that would abolish abortion, they don't do it. They don't push it because they feel it would be bad right. for them getting reelected. I think that's a commentary of our culture when you see all these people acting out against the trans movement is not because they're Christian, but because there's a hunger in our country for truth. And that's why they appreciate Trump, not because of they like him so much, but because they appreciate his truth speaking. And more black African-Americans are stepping up because they appreciate the honesty. They can't stand the, the lying politicians anymore. They don't even care what Trump stands for anymore. They just care that he speaks the truth. And truth is such a valuable commodity these days. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, we're going to go ahead. I've got four more clips, but we 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 did get a little late start, so we'll go a little bit, but I also want to be respectful of your time and the respectful of the time of those who tune in. We usually try to keep the show about an hour. Um, so I've got four more clips, and this is dealing with you can be gay and Christian at the same time. And so we'll we'll go through some of these here and 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 talk about it. You can be gay and Christian. Now that right there is one of, and I and I had said to you that we will push back a little bit because mm -hmm. when you came up there, I'm thinking like, what is he doing? So <laughs> go ahead and explain yourself a little bit before we we uh, listen to a little bit of this clip. Yeah, I know that's a slippery slope because I have plenty of friends who went to seminary with me who would say, if you're gay, you can't be Christian. But l like I said before earlier, that if, if Jesus is your Lord and you're struggling with that sin, that I, I define gay or LGBTQ as someone who has same-sex attraction. Okay, so someone who is attracted to someone of the same sex. Now, you may be attracted to someone of the same sex, but but the Bible is clear that we cannot act on it. Homosexual activity is banned by God, and we don't see that in heaven because heaven is perfect. And so it's an imperfection that we see on earth, whether someone is uh, an alcoholic or someone is addicted to drugs. I mean, that desire may continually be there. People who are, have been set free from alcoholism for 10, 20 years, they still have that desire that they must suppress. So in the same way, 
I see as a, a real Christian will suppress those desires, will try to live a holy life before God, even though he still feels the same-sex attraction. And hopefully, he can be healed, but not everybody is healed in that way. But he will definitely be healed in heaven. Yeah. See, I would disagree. I would say that um, I do believe that a, a homosexual can come to faith in Jesus Christ. And it may be in the beginning that God is working in them and through them to completely remove that desire. But I do think that um, that even that desire or that attraction is unnatural. And so because yeah. obviously God has created us uh, male for female and vice versa, not the other way around. So already those desires, you know, when one is tempted, they're tempted by those desires that then give forth, they produce and they bring forth uh, those, those, uh, the, the sin that leads to death. And so, so that's where I, I would be on that. fine line that is drawn by the LGBTQ community. Be, to be part of the LGBTQ means I am proud of who I am. And I'm not going to repent. And that is a strong, solid line that says you are not a Christian then. Because to be part of the LGBTQ community means you are proud, quote unquote, proud of who you are, which means you are not repentant. But to be not part of that, but still have the attraction, which means you could still be considered gay or homosexual as a person. Although I try to get away from that identification marker, because I think you struggle with same sex attraction. That doesn't mean that you have to be labeled as a homosexual. But in either case, however you define it, semantics, yet. If you if Jesus is your Lord and you try to live for him and you have desires, whether they're homosexual desires or, or desires for alcohol or desires for sex outside of marriage, yet you try to keep yourself holy for the Lord, I think you're still a Christian. Yeah, I, I, that's where I say I, I think we would have some disagreement because I don't think that as a Christian, um, I wouldn't say if I had an issue with with lying that I'm a lying Christian. Or that I'm a drunk drunkard, you know, and then I'm a drunk Christian, right? I think, and and I think you're saying that you're saying that you don't that label. We wouldn't say, well, I'm a gay Christian. Well, there's no such thing as a gay Christian because all those in Christ have been made new. They've been made a, a new creation. You're no longer that old, but there is the flesh that still remains that we do struggle and war against. Um, so. I would not. I know that there's uh, those those movements out there with the the same sex attraction. You can have that and yet be a Christian. I wouldn't agree with that. But that's we'll kind of we'll keep that one moving. Not trying to you know um, uh, get too deep here on that. We could, but I mean, let me go back mm -hmm. here where we were. Um, let's go here. I feel that you need to start. <laughs> well, this whore, huh? Obviously, and stuff. I'm a big old uh, fruitcake. I bartend in nightlife. I go-go dance. I do adult content. I love it. I love having sex with women, which almost sounds bad now that I'm saying it. Oh. It's amazing. But I, uh, I still love the Bible. I treat people with respect. I. Uh, go to confession, I do all these things. I, I love my LGBTQIA community, and I'm a gay man, a big old fruit, and I love it, so. <laughs> and I think that's where, where I'm saying, like, in this identity, that he's not identifying himself with Christ. Because when Christ brings one to, to new faith in him, he changes our desires. 
he changes those those things that we once thought were natural and we begin to have a hatred for the things that were sinful and a desire for the things that then honor and please God. You know what I mean? And this this individual, like I said already, he does definitely he does identify this way. Um, clearly, he just said it. He comes up. It's not even something that he he throws out there like, I'm a Christian, but I'm struggling here. It's no, I'm this big fruit. He says it. You know what I mean? Right. He's solid line right there. He's on the other side of the line. He's proud of who he is. He's trying to grab the way he justifies himself is he's listing things that he has done. He goes to confession. He tries to be a good person. All these things that he does, which means he does he clearly does not know the gospel. The gospel is not about what we do, but what Christ has done. And so there's no remorse in his part, like, oh, I'm struggling. I'm trying not to. Uh, I'm trying to cut down on this or that. No, it's, this is who I am. Accept me. And, and I love God, too. That's what he says. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I really felt for this man. I, I did. Every time I heard him talk, like, because, again, he kept trying to hold on to saying, well, I believe in Jesus. You know, I believe the Bible. But only so far as he even said it earlier, we heard him. He said it's more of a guideline rather than absolute truth, you know. And and that's that's where if you're in Christ, we as Christians, you and I, maybe have some some disagree, disagreements with one another, possibly over some theological things. But we both would say that the scriptures are our final authority. So you may come to a different conclusion. Not that we're letting the Bible interpret and just believing whatever, but we may come to some different conclusions. But we both would say that the Bible is the final authority. And, right. and that's what you find with Christian brothers and sisters. That's why we can have those in-house disagreements over secondary or tertiary things and maybe not see eye to eye on every aspect of theology. But yet in the essentials, we are we are united. We are in faith. We are or we are in the same faith. Uh, we have the same uh, foundation there that we're standing upon, right? right? And then we go to the scripture to iron out some of those things and iron sharpens iron, you know, and it doesn't really um, make a change unless it it's it's connecting with each other, the iron and the iron, mm -hmm. you know? So, so yeah, I think that's one of the things we see, again, ultimately from those who are rejecting the word of God and, and being an ex-Christian, even in that title, um, ex-Christians. Now, I get it because when I deal with individuals in conversations over the once saved, always saved, which is, I don't prefer that language, um, but they'll say, oh, you can lose your salvation and whatnot. But no, there is there is warnings giving in the scripture to the church, which would be made up of believers and unbelievers at times. They're going to they're gonna always be within the church. You're going to have alongside one another. Uh, and in this world, you're going to have believers with professing, or with professing believers that aren't. But those who are in Christ don't walk away. The Bible says that they went out from us because they show that they were not of us. So the whole term ex I get it because some people do walk away from the faith that they was raised in or told. I mean, you want to speak on that a little bit or? Well, as a five point Calvinist, I do believe in the perseverance of the saints. So yes, although I don't use the term once saved, always saved, I do believe that. But in terms of regular conversation with people in Uber or uh, college campuses, I have to accept that Christianity is also a religion in which people who are not followers of Jesus are in Christianity. Mm -hmm. And so I find nothing wrong with saying he's an ex-Christian, although in my heart, I know that he was never a Christian to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. It's not it's not an area where I would be, you know, pulling straws. But at the same time, right. in this 
in this conversation, because um, our audience is going to be mainly Christians tuning in, but this idea mm. that w one doesn't lose the faith and walk away. Um, you know, e even in that, I've heard people right. say, well, you know, no, we don't lose it based upon our sin or whatever. We just, we kind of, we walk out of God's hand. We stop believing that God is actual, that Jesus is real. And, and I always say like, look, I have a relationship with my wife. I don't next year say my wife doesn't exist if I stop having a relationship with her. No, she exists. If you genuinely have a relationship with Christ, you can't say, well, he doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> then you didn't have a real relationship. You know what I mean? So just the idea of ex-Christian. Um, it's kind of like an oxymoron thing, but all right, let me see here. I think that was, let me go to this one. Bible strictly says it's homosexuality is sin. How does that make you feel when he says that? When they say it again, interpreting, right? So they have it interpreted saying that they meant mainly when it was older men having sex with young men because there wasn't a word to translate for uh, just something else like men and men. But, yeah, so I don't believe he necessarily meant being in love with a man or a woman with a woman. And so, so I believe is for men with younger men who didn't, uh, couldn't determine, didn't have no, a choice. I've heard that before and I speak Greek and I read and write Greek. And if you look at that passage in Romans chapter one, it's not about the word. It actually describes men having sexual acts with other men. I'm going to burn in the fiery fucking pits. No, but God forgives. Yeah, he does. He does. I believe, no, that, I believe you have a real Hold faith in Jesus. Oh, so you 100%. are forgiven of your sins. I love Jesus Christ. And I know that the Bible's not going to change for me too. Like I know that if this is truly a sin, then I have to answer to that when I go. It's not, there's nothing I can do. Also, there's nothing I want to do though. I love who I love. And I truly believe Jesus Christ, the embodiment of love is like, I get it. I feel like he's always kind of like letting me know, like, I, I'm glad you're, you're, you're on the right path. The Bible. Oops. Started that one again there. Pull that out. I have to tell you that when I talk to people, I feel like, do they all go to the same YouTube video or same chat box? I mean, they're all repeating the same argument that's, that they heard from somebody else. They don't know Greek. They don't know what the Bible is saying. They don't. A lot of them actually think that the Bible was changed in the 1800s from some German translation, and that's why how we got homosexuality. And that's the same argument I hear again and again. So before that argument came out, my purpose was to shoot that argument down before it even reaches up there. Because I've heard that argument so many times about Arsenal Koitai, and I'm, I'm sick of it. That they all hear each other say it, and they say, oh, okay, now I have a reason not to believe. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. It definitely is a, a go-to for, for many who want to um, justify the LGBTQ community uh, and the agenda that's there. And, and look, as Christians, um, we are called to be humble, gracious, compassionate, loving individuals. That doesn't mean we compromise truth. That doesn't mean we, we cower and we support uh, that which is against God and against his word. But we can interact with, with um, unbelievers and those in the LGBTQ community that uh, promote that lifestyle with humility and grace. Um, you know, one, one of the times I was at a college campus and I was up preaching, and all these LGBTQ community uh, students came out and trans students came out and they were um, holding their signs. I even got punched that day from preaching. Oh. And 
And when I got down from preaching, I started talking with the trans individual. It was a man who was dressed and looking like a woman, um, but it was clear. You could clearly a man. I didn't right. affirm any of his pronouns. I didn't call him anything other than the name that he told me. Right. Because again, your name, I don't, I don't know what your name is, you know? So other than that, and I talked with this man for a good while after I got down and somebody mm. came over and, and I'm preaching, preaching is authoritative. You're doing open air preaching and everybody's gathering around um, and people are getting angry. But in my conversation with this man, another person came over and tried to, you know, get in between and saying, stop harassing this person. And you're so such a homophobe, you're hateful. And that man who was identifying as trans defended me and said, we're having a gracious conversation here. Like we're having a good conversation because they saw my heart. Yeah, I was preaching and I'm saying what the Bible says. I wasn't preaching against homosexuality or anything. We were just preaching the Bible and they happened to come on campus and, you know, get upset. But how mm -hmm. we interact matters with the unbelievers. Um, not that we cower and compromise, but they see when your heart is being genuine with them in a conversation. And while, again, watching these clips, watching some things, sometimes I look and see, and, and as Christians, we can be very judgmental at times too, being honest. We can see other Christians answering or saying something and say, man, I wouldn't have said that, or I wouldn't have done that like that. But then again, we get into those conversations and sometimes we look back and say, maybe I should have said this or maybe I should have said that. Or others will watch and say, you should have said this or you should have said that. It's easy to do that. But knowing that we genuinely want to see people come to Christ is ultimately what our desire is, right? And these people, these ex-Christians on here, I would think that those who are professing Christians yourself, uh, or not professing Christians, that are Christians yourself, uh, the lady and then the other, the ex-gang member guy um, that was on there, genuinely had a compassion and heart for the individuals they were speaking to. I think that and was... I would even have to, I would even say uh, most Christians and most churches have that understanding heart of reaching out to the LGBTQ, people who are struggling, people who want to know the truth. And what the media caricature, not even the media, but they have a prejudice that that a lot of Christians hate this idea of gay, homosexuality, LGBTQ, that they want to throw stones at them because they've seen just the fanatic in the media. But uh, most Christians and churches, even, even in California, they're very accepting and maybe too accepting even, I would say. But um, there's no... There's no sense of oh I, I must be afraid for my life or they hate me they're gonna they're gonna lynch me there's none of that and I think uh, when I, when I talk to people on Uber they're surprised when I tell them that I'm a Christian pastor it's like wow all this time you are so open and loving and but that I think that's the norm among Christianity today yeah yeah we definitely uh, have to be compassionate with those we're interacting with again not compromising because there's there's a difference and there are right. sometimes there are sometimes where you have to be bold and state it like it is there are times that 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 has to happen we read that in scripture Paul says some really harsh things at times um but that doesn't mean that that should be our constant practice of being mean because that that's not the heart of a genuine believer uh, it's right. one of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Uh, that's the fruit of the spirit. And so, um, pastor Jason, I, I do appreciate you coming on. We went a little bit over our normal time, but that's because we got a little bit of a late start. Um, 
But I, I do appreciate you coming on, brother. I appreciated uh, your heart in this um, and wanting to go and put yourself out there for these Jubilee <laughs> things and have these conversations. Um, any last thoughts, uh, things you'd like to, to leave us with, the listeners with, and, and where can anyone find you if they want to uh, uh, check you out? Well, not to promote myself, but I think more people, more all of us need to go out there more and, and show the world what real Christians are like. I think too many of us have been so silent that for the past 10 years, we've let the government have its way. We haven't spoken up about abortion or, or what they're teaching in our public schools. And now when it's almost too late, then we speak up out of anger. I, no, if people heard our comments during during work, when, when, when a coworker makes fun of Jesus and we say, hey, can you not do that? I mean, just speaking out in little ways or even big ways, I think will make a big difference for the kingdom of God here in America, where it's, it's so hard to be Christian now. But I think if you were to speak up and reach out in love and just let people know that we're Christians and that we're not afraid to, to speak about Jesus, that we have some knowledge of the Bible, we can actually say stuff about evolution or abortion, that we have to stop being silent. Even if you don't have a lot to say, I think that's when you trust that God would, in His Holy Spirit, would give you the words to say. But I think too many Christians have been so silent, and that's why we're in this mess. Our culture is falling apart. And I'm not going to blame non-Christians. I'm going to blame Christians. If the salt leaves the earth, it's going to crumble. If the light doesn't shine in the darkness, then it's going to be dark. It's, it's our fault that America is this way. So we have to shine the light. We have to be the salt. And then I think We'll see blessings in America again. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well said. All right, Pastor, I, I do appreciate you coming on again. Thank you for your time. Uh, really do appreciate that. Next week on G220 Radio, let me grab my uh, sheet here. We're going to have um, Nance Howell on the program. He's a pastor. Um, and we're going to be talking about evangelizing Mormons. Uh, he lives in a community, uh, an Indian reservation is where he pastors. So he said there's a lot of Mormon presence there. And we're going to talk about that next week on the program here on G220 Radio. So tune in next week. So until then, God bless and good night.